Hello and welcome to Buildings of Tomorrow. My name is John Lester and in today's episode we're talking about smart buildings, making real those smart building dreams and really what is behind it, what happens in the real world, what happens out there in the industry when we talk about smart buildings and actually trying to deliver them to our customers. I'm joined today by Matt Sylvester. He's a director at Meinhart in Thailand and really excited about him joining us from this part of the world and to really give us some insight into the region. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, thank you, John. Pleasure to be here. Hey, it's a pleasure for us to have you as well. Uh, let's dive straight in. Like We're talking today about smart buildings. Smart buildings is somehow a term that means a million things to a million different people. So let's start there. What's a smart building and how do you define that? Smart building, it's a, it's a good question. It's probably my favorite one. Um, exactly. It means uh, if you ask 10 different people um, in the industry, developers, designers, uh, consultants, they'll all give you a different answer what a, what a smart building is. Um, you know, I mean, uh, my, my favorite uh, kind of engineering speak is that a, a smart building is a, a system of systems. Um, you know, you've got a, you've, in a typical building, you've got lighting systems, you've got access control systems, you've got ventilation, air conditioning systems, and um, they don't really talk to each other. Um, you, have, you have a controller or an operator that controls them individually, but not as one. Um, so a system of systems would be when you have some kind of a, an AI or some kind of management system that would that would allow these systems to talk to each other and and optimize optimize those systems and then bringing it one step forward to making a, a better user experience so uh, you know making making information available to people so they know the, the environment they're in but I mean that's a very a very broad sort of view of what smart might be um some people think that smart buildings should be like the starship enterprise um and some people think that having uh, face recognition on their access control system is smart so um really it's how long's a piece of string um but um i mean there's, there's a new uh, there's a new system of, of certification coming out which uh here at, at Meinhart thailand um and in thailand actually in, in general there's this new certification system coming out which is similar to to like lead or or these other building certification systems which levels the playing field a bit um so we're we're excited to see that coming on stream um and it, it brings into it brings into into question what is a smart building um and smart is not just about the technology it's about um how you how user friendly is a building is it smart for people is it intuitive and this this new certification system is, is great for that um yeah, I mean, so should, should I plug them? <laughs> uh, Wired Score, Smart Score. Um, they're they're doing this system, as I say. We're uh, we're quite excited about that because it really starts to put a framework on what smart is and should be. Yeah, absolutely. And and in the end, if we take a step back and we we talk about what are we trying to achieve, what what's the what's the point of a smart building in inverted commas? Um, you know, it's not supposed to be smart for smart sake. It's supposed to be smart so that we can operate it better. So it's better for the people that use it. So it's, it's more intuitive to deliver the, the expectations, the function that it's supposed to do. And, and that's exactly what you're talking about. And, and maybe give me a little insight because certification is, is one of those big steps as an industry, whenever new technologies or new expectations come along, certification, regulation, whatever it might be, some way for us to, to take a step back and and make a very complex uh, and multifaceted topic uh, easier to understand with a you know with a lead score with a wide score with a, a, a fit well score something like this. So from your perspective, you say you're excited about that. How, how do you see that uh, finding traction in the market? Is that something that you and other colleagues across different companies across different parts of the industry are also getting their teeth into? Um, for sure, yeah. I mean, we're 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 an early adopter. Um, 
it's uh, the, the the certification system in Thailand is is being rolled out. It's the, it's being launched in February or March of next year. Um, I believe that's the launch date. I mean, it's been up and running in in the UK, in the US, um, maybe in Australia. I'm not sure, um, but it's been up and running in in several um, other other geographies for for quite a while, and they've got several hundred buildings certified and so on. Um, I mean, here in in Thailand, I mean, a couple of our key clients have expressed interest in this. Um, particularly uh, office landlords, um, you know, it's 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 a it's another way to differentiate their buildings. Uh, you know, ten years ago, um, ten years ago in Thailand, about ten twelve years ago in Thailand, lead was a new thing. Um, everybody wanted a sustainable building, but no one knew exactly what it was. Um, you know, because it was a new thing, and you know, people were like, oh, solar panels that makes a sustainable building. Um, well, not really. That's a a small. This is one piece of the puzzle. It's a small part of it. Um, and similarly, yeah. It's um it, it's good here for landlords to be able to benchmark their property and be able to say we've got a, a gold standard smart building, um, and it, it kind of a, it, it sorts the wheat from the chaff, so um it, it will encourage it will encourage landlords to actually invest a bit in the in the smart tech and in the systems so they can get some recognition and, and in a in an indirect way they can then monetize what they've what they've invested in, um you know the the office market's very uh, very competitive especially in the in the wake of COVID. Um, you know, lots of uh, lots of firms are downsizing, uh, doing work from home on a part-time basis or on a full-time basis, and you know, lots of our lots of our blue chip clients are, are reducing their their leasable space from six thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand square meters, and they're trimming it down to two thousand square meters. Um, you know, but the workplace is becoming a uh, a place of culture rather than a place of work um, for for many industries. Uh, maybe not for engineering. Um, we're still a very um, hands-on integrated type uh, type business. We need we need that face-to-face contact. But many industries don't, you don't you don't need us to perform your work. But you do need to form bonds, and you do need to have a, a cultural uh, like a, a company culture. So I think smart buildings is a way to it's it's about attracting tenants. Um, but these days, I think it's more about um, attracting the tenants' staff um, because you know a, a tenant will only take a, a leasable space as big as he sees it. And if none of his staff want to come to work, well, then there's no point in having a big office space. But um, if they can say, well, you know, we've got 200 people that want to come to work every day because they like the office culture, because they like, you know, this wonderful smart building that we that we work out of, um, that attracts the staff to come in, which in turn means the, the tenant wants to, to take more space, which makes the landlord happy. Um, so it's um, I think that's 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 the way things are going. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I like that you brought in the, the conversation and the aspect there from the tenant and the tenants, the tenants uh, staff, because that's where I'd like to go with the next question is, is it's easy to say smart building. And, and it's also easy for your clients, for developers, for builders out there to say, hey, I want a smart building. But if we peel back the phrase smart building, what do they actually want? From your experience, what is it that they really need and they're actually going for when they say, I want a smart building? Yeah, so I think that's the, the difficult thing. They, they actually don't know what they want. <laughs> um, I think um, a, a lot of people aim a bit too high um, and then there's there's failure to launch or failure to deliver um, or failure to operate. And that kind of is perhaps putting a bit of a, a negative slant on the whole thing. Um, you know, we, we get we get people expecting or asking things like, can you have, you know, in a, I'm referring into an office, an open plan office, we get people saying, can we have individual climate control for every person at their desk? Um, well, you could, but I would ask the question, do you really want that? Um, because, you know, you have an open plan area with 10 people sitting in, in close proximity and 
suddenly one guy wants to turn up the aircon. Um, and then the guy next to him says, no, it's too cold for me. I want to turn it down. And then one of the girls chimes in and says, it was fine just as it was. Um, so instead of creating a more comfort, you, you might have increased thermal comfort for somebody, but then you've, you've created some sort of a micro conflict between employees because I don't want to sit next to that person. They, they turn the air con on too low. So I, mean, I think a, a lot of this um, smart stuff that gets touted is, is unnecessary and it's probably counterproductive. Um, I mean, good things, uh, again, referring back to the idea of making the workplace attractive, um, you know, there's, there's some buildings emerging here in Bangkok. One of our one of our recent projects is is quite smart, should we say? Um, you, it's, it's the it's the whole journey experience, the arrival experience. You you arrive at the at the building reception, um, and the, the receptionist will ask you, um, you know, who are you meeting today? Uh, what time is your meeting? And then she takes your photograph. And once once your photograph is on the system, then they know who you are. They know where you are in the building, and the system is fully automated from there on in. So you you go to a turnstile. And the turnstile tells you proceed to elevator F. You go to elevator F and it automatically sends you to the 10th floor. And you get out of the elevator on the 10th floor and there's a big LCD screen. And it says, welcome, Matt. You're here to meet John. Um, you're at meeting room four on the left. And it's like, oh, wow. So it's all this kind of um, virtual future, uh, futuristic experience. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's an element there of do you really want to be greeted by a machine? Um, but nonetheless, it is a bit... Uh, it is a bit wild for people, and it is impressive when you when you walk into that kind of building. You feel like you're in a you feel like you're in a modern building. Um, so those kind of I think those audio visual experience, access control experience, journey management. I think they're they're the low lying fruit, and they're the most um, the most immediately recognisable features. Um, I mean, there are other features as well. I mean, uh, I think actually uh, one of the I spoke to a, to a guy at Siemens, and he, he was explaining how in, in Singapore they've they've linked up one of their uh, one of the buildings has linked up the the access control system to to count how many staff are in a building at any given time, um, and they share that information with the the, the F and B vendors. Um, so the F and B vendor can then start to forecast. Right, today is going to be a busy day. I need to prepare fifty ham sandwiches, um, and then when people come to get their food, the food is there and ready. Um, Otherwise, he's wondering, how many should I prepare today? 10, 20? And he makes 10 sandwiches. And then 50 people come and they're disappointed. Or conversely, he makes 50 and only 10 people come in this high wastage. So um, there's there's that second level of, of smart, which is more on the analytics side, which is less um, less glamorous. <laughs> so um, typically when, when clients are coming out, that's, that's not what they're asking for. <laughs> it may be less glamorous, but it, it comes back to what you mentioned at the start, what's a smart building, and it's a system of systems, and it's sharing information between them and trying to find good ways to make decisions with the information that's already available. And, and maybe one of the good things and, and one of the interesting things that I also often have when we have these conversations is that that information has been available for a long time. It's just we haven't been very good at using it. So it's, it's taking that next step and getting connected and, and going through and, and and then you do get to that kind of that more future experience, like you described, that this guided experience that that recognizes who you are, what you're doing, where you're going, and uses the building to to improve that process compared to someone who would normally walk around, you know, a little bit lost and a little bit confused and have to ask people and stop people along the way. That's that's a great example, and, and maybe I'll, I'll trouble you for a few more because I think the use case is a really interesting one. Um, when you're having these conversations, when you're when you're planning and, and designing these these smart buildings, what are some of the other applications that you see regularly that you see as as the really valuable ones, the the, the clear 
demonstrations, let's call it, of why a smart building has value, why it's why it's useful for us. Yeah, I mean, I think um, my my I suppose uh, that's that's one of those questions, different different opinions. But my uh, my opinion on things, I think um, CCTV access control. Um, there's a lot of smarts can be uh, attached to that. Um, whether it's crowd management, um, you know, we're all coming out of the the COVID era uh, when there was. Uh, you know, panic and hysteria that, oh, there's too many people clustered in this area. And, you know, you can use smart CCTV cameras to alert security guards um, to say, look, you know, there's a there's a crowd forming um, near the Starbucks and, you know, that's that's not healthy. It's not in line with our COVID protocols. Um, similarly, uh, you know, if there's a, a protest or some kind of um, some kind of disturbance gathering, um, your cameras will notice that there's an unusually high number of people in this area and alert the building managers. Um, I think the the whole contactless um, contactless entry to buildings, facial recognition, um, and journey management. Again, I think that's that's one of the, the good things. Um, I mean, again, I, mean, I think COVID is is one of the things that's fresh in our mind. Um, so it's a you know, and before COVID, there was something else, and there was something else. There will be something in the future. Um, so having having a building wired to be able to uh, adapt and uh, be able to be somewhat responsive to to various situations is always going to be a, a positive thing. Um, you know, I mean, you can you can you can use it as well from an energy efficiency point of view. Um, you know, there's there's CO two CO two sensors is the is is now almost an old fashioned way of 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 monitoring air quality. Um, but you can still you can pl- you can plug that into a smart system. Um, you can cross link that with again with CCTV and with uh, with you know visual visual crowd counting that type of thing to 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 not just understand how many people you have now but to you you can use smart analytics to to forecast um you know typically on tuesdays the building is more busy than wednesdays so the chillers will come on 10 minutes earlier to get ready for the cooling load um it won't be right all the time but it's right most of the time um and then conversely i mean lots of people are concerned about uh monitoring when people arrive um if you're talking about energy efficiency you should be more concerned about when they leave um you know when someone leaves, when someone leaves their desk, or someone shuts down their retail stand, or whatever, um, if the if the if the building system can recognise that, okay, people are gone, let's turn the systems off, let's turn down the air conditioning, let's turn off the lights. That's where you're going to start getting energy savings. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's lots of ways you can you can optimise things. Car parking spaces, you know, AI systems can learn when it is directing people. I mean, a car park management system is quite a it's quite a it's a well-worn path that's been in place for god 15 20 years maybe um you know little little lights over the car parking spaces and um and a, a little screen as you drive in to say go to level four um that's a uh, that's part of it but i mean you can take it one step for, further and, and book apps you can try and get apps on your phone uh you know booking a car parking space and that type of thing um i think that's probably Got to again create a bit of conflict when two people say they've booked the same space, but um, uh, you know at the same time it's uh, I want to go to the office this afternoon. I wonder um, I wonder should I drive or should I take the should I take the bus or should I take the train? And you can have a look and say oh look it's really busy <laughs> I'm not going to park so I'll take the train. Um, that kind of information is is very useful to people. It's tangible information, and it's not um, it's not technology for technology's sake. It's actually useful. Yeah, and and, and I think that's a great way to summarise. You know, it, it's. It's technology and information put in the hands of people when they can use it to make simple decisions. And sometimes those simple decisions have have large impact, like you mentioned. 
if a restaurant shuts down, turning off the lights, turning off the air conditioning, turning off the mechanical services, uh, whether it's a public holiday and maybe something somebody hasn't programmed it into the system, uh, knowing who is where and what and, and still saving that energy, uh, or like you mentioned, jumping in the car or deciding to jump in the car when you're going to pop to the office and having an understanding of how busy is it. Or nowadays, like you mentioned, a lot of offices are going from 10,000, 8,000 square meters to 2,000. Uh, making having an idea is there even going to be a desk for me if I show up into the office and and then does that help me make the decision whether I, I make the trip to the office or not just having that information is is an interesting one um, when we talk about when we talk about energy saving because in the end especially when we're talking about mechanical services lighting uh, talking about sustainability uh, a lot of these pieces of information, sharing the knowledge, the insight across different systems helps us be more sustainable, Heaps, helps us to, to not invest energy into things that are not required, helps us to turn things on, turn things off at the right times. Um, and this links back to this, this environmental drive, the sustainability drive, the, the governments and regulation drive, this ESG world. From your experience in, in the customers, in the, in the projects, in the developers, the builders that you're talking with, how important is this, the, that, that push for regulation, that expectation for, for, um, for sustainability and, and the expectation from a society perspective uh, to, to deliver that differentiation, like you mentioned before, around energy efficiency? Well, I think, I think regulation is a good thing um, because uh, it levels the playing field. Um, generally speaking, you, you get some some developers are are really going the uh, you know the extra mile and putting in the effort, and and then they're getting compared to to their competitors who aren't putting in that effort. Um, and then you've got the then you've got the guys who are just in it for a quick buck. Um, you know they're, they're trying to churn out the cheapest product possible, that um, which in the long run is not sustainable. Um, I mean ESG. I mean that's um, sustainability ESG. I mean ESG is obviously a very uh, large umbrella. Um, and I mean, a large part, a large part of ESG is um, is that the human factor is, uh, you know, equality in the workplace and all that type of thing. But also just, um, you know, quality of life. And the, the idea of it is to, to make lives better for people. Um, that's the, you know, the, the whole point of, in my opinion, the whole point of ESG is to improve the quality of life for everyone. Um, so, I mean, that's the objective of SMART as well. Well, I mean, it's at least half the objective of SMART. I mean, it's probably, SMART is probably 50% about um, facilities management and, you know, making things more efficient and so on, which frankly speaking comes down to the bottom line. I mean, the, the, corporate, the corporates are, are, are on about, they're most concerned about how they can save money um, on energy or how they can save money on maintenance. The other half of that, as I mentioned, um, is, is attracting tenants and it's, it's driving business. Um, you know, nobody wants to be in an old building anymore. Um, so, I mean, I think the whole thing is, is, definitely, um, is definitely interlocked. Um, I mean, I mentioned at the start of our, of our discussion about how this, uh, this wired score and smart score is uh, this new certification system. Um, I mean, and interestingly, a very large percentage of that, um, th there's points given for how sustainable is your building. Um, so a, a smart building needs to be sustainable. Um, you know, it needs to be energy efficient. It needs to be, you know, it, it needs to it needs to operate in an efficient way and, and be user friendly. So it's all interlinked. I mean, there are all these different terms and, and jargon. It's all it's all wish washing into one thing, really. Um, do better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, across the board. Do better with what we have already in in our back pocket, which which I guess is also that that challenge and, and sometimes a frustration, which is a lot of this technology we've had, a lot of the capabilities we've had. It's just making it real 
uh, is somehow the, the the struggle that we've had as an industry in general. You know, we we we've had, like you mentioned, we've had car car park uh, insights for a long time. We've had uh, smart cameras for a long time. We've we've had very capable automation systems and mechanical systems for a long time. It's just. But we, if we look around the world, we don't see thousands and thousands of, of smart buildings. Uh, you know, we, we still see challenges here. So let, let's jump to that little part. Um, how, how do we actually make it happen? Talking about it, asking for it, uh, deciding what we want and how we want to, to drive things is, is step one, let's call it. This is an important step to really define and decide what we want to achieve for sure. The next step, the important one, is deployment. How do we make it real? How do we deliver this and, and get it operating and not operating just on day one, but operating for the next 10, 20 years the way that it should do? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I suppose first first and foremost, I mean, new new buildings are easy. Um, I mean, we should probably mention that. Um, you know, I, I don't have a statistic and it, it varies across the world, but, uh, you know, the, the new building stock that will come online in, in Bangkok and in Thailand relative to the existing building stock is a few percent. Um, you know, we've got, I, I, I'm just making this number up now, we might we might have two or three million square meters of new office space coming online in the next 12 to 24 months. That's a, a wild guess. It's probably probably quite close, but, um, but you know, there's millions and millions more of existing space. Um, how do you make those ones smart? That's, that's the real challenge, to be honest. Um, but I mean, overall, I mean, I think the thing, keep it real is what I would say. Um, it's uh, bringing in, bringing in the, the regulation and, and certification systems and, and making ma raising awareness. That's the that's the, the key to getting it started. And then um, installing installing systems that can actually be used um, is, is an important thing. I think uh, if things are too sophisticated, there's there isn't a there isn't a workforce there that can that can operate these things. Um, and that's that's one of the areas of apprehension that our clients would have is they they would say you know we've got this um, we've got this A grade building that was designed and built ten years ago uh, with a, a fancy BMS system and a fancy EMS system um, and a fancy CMS system but um, you know we don't use it because no one knows how it's too difficult um, so I think it's a key to it is, is deploying deploying technologies that are readily usable and easily usable. Um, there's a big focus on IoT and um, cloud connectivity and, and this type of thing. Um, I think that is a difficult area. Um, you know, if you, if, you if you want to have a smart app on your phone that controls systems in your building, um, that's great. And then Apple release iOS 16.7 or whatever's next on the list. Um, and then suddenly your app isn't compatible with your hardware anymore. So then you've got to go and do a bunch of upgrades to you know, keep things relevant. And then, and then there's a difference between the iOS and uh, you know, the, the Android system and how do you deal with that? And so, I mean, I think um, that's a, an area I'm, I'm in favor of, of, should we say, hardware solutions that, that deliver um, practical physical results rather than the, the gimmicks, rather than the, the apps and that type of thing. Um, I like to see screens, screens in the lobby. Um, with uh, information about the air quality or information about traffic or weather or, um, you know, audio visual stuff that's easily readable. You don't need to be a genius to work it out. Um, I mean, I, there's an interesting product out there that overcomes some of this, the, the Siemens Smart Hub thing. Um, I'm not an IT background now, but this, this Siemens Smart Hub device, um, it allows you to, uh, to plug into uh, existing BMS systems and so on um, through a, a, co a common protocol. Um, a common IT protocol, and it, it 
it somehow decodes all these different apps and you know maybe maybe you've got a, an app from from apple you've got an app from um from from me or zomi or whoever else um you know you've all these different apps and this this device somehow interprets the uh, the information from those and, and and communicates it back to your building in a common language i think that's going to be a that type of thing is going to be key to to deployment in in older buildings um for newer buildings or buildings that are about to undergo major renovation, I think getting the backbone in is, is the most important thing. Um, you know, fiber optic, you know, is is, is still considered to be, uh, you know, sort of the, I won't say the best, but it's considered to be you know, a, a good solution for, for IT in a, in a building. Um, you've got GPON systems and EPON systems, which are, you know, the next level, effectively. Um, getting that, that hard wiring in, in the first instance um, is, is important. Um, I think when you when you're starting to make a building more and more reliant on IT and more reliant on on technology, then you need to make sure there's redundancy there. Um, so you know, making sure there's plenty of power backup, making sure you've got dual dual path of, of if you want to be connected to the internet. Well, if you're disconnected, then you have a problem. So you want to make sure you've got you know redundancy there. You've got duty standby. You've got a second internet connection coming in, second power connection. So getting I think getting the hardware in place is is quite important. Um, and from that, um, you know, a, a friend of mine here in Bangkok says that um, smart is a journey. It's not a destination. Um, it's going to continue evolving. What's smart today will be old fashioned in 12 months. Um, you know, facial recognition, CCTV cameras, they're, they're almost commonplace. Uh, two, three years ago, it was high end software as well. Um, now I've got them access control to my condo as a, as a screen uh, image. I don't have to use my fingerprints. Don't have to touch anything. Um, but it all comes down to can you can you communicate that through the building? Um, is the is the infrastructure there? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that that phrase that your friend uh, gives you, your colleague in the industry there. That smart is a journey. Uh, smart is different for every person. As soon as we start talking about what is someone trying to achieve, what's the goals? Everyone, every business, uh, every even the same business in a different location has different goals and things they're trying to achieve. Uh, so smart is different, but then also exactly as you described, smart isn't isn't a single point in time. Technology evolves, the requirements evolve. Let's look at at, uh, at two thousand and uh, and nineteen compared to two thousand and twenty. What we wanted to try and achieve as soon as COVID came around was very different from what we wanted to try and achieve the year before, and then and then after COVID, the same as a, as an example. So those those requirements change just as much as as the technology as well. And, and, and for you, you know, designing buildings, defining what people should do, how do you, you mentioned here the backbone, you know, getting the, the platform right, ensuring that, that the wires in the building set you up to, to not just be successful today, but also successful tomorrow. How do you go about specifying that, delivering that, and, and kind of getting everyone on board, all the different contractors, all the different services, all the different systems, um, how, how do you bring them together? Um, to to deliver that solid platform from day one, it's um I'll uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll use a, I'll use an, an Australian expression which I, I, I like a lot. It's like herding cats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quite uh, quite 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 difficult. I mean, I think different different jurisdictions, geographies will have a different approach to that. Um, here in the in the in the market in Thailand. Um, we, when we're when we're specifying a project and when we're doing the design, it's generally speaking the the, the method of procurement is very much um, like a, a design bid build. So it needs to be an open tender, um, which means to say there's a lot of scope for interpretation when contractors start pricing it. Um, 
you know, in an, in an ideal world, you'd have one M&E contractor and he would have everyone underneath him. Um, and, you know, from there, you know, everything would be seamless and integrated and it would be lovely. But um, in the real world, that's often not what happens. Um, they'll, they'll install four BMS systems and then try and get a BM, and then try and get a, a head end BMS to, to coordinate the four of them. Um, so it's, it, it is difficult and it's going to require a bit of uh, a bit of change. Um, I mean, in terms of the just getting the backbone infrastructure in, I mean, like a, a G-PON system or an EPON system or even a fiber optic system is it's quite a, a sort of a standard specification, shall we say. Um, I mean, I think one of the main things is to, to future proof and, and to, to, to make space um, more often than not. Uh, architects and the people who are designing the, the form of the building um, are less keen to provide space for, for these technologies. Um, but it is becoming more and more um, more and more important. Going back to that thing about regulation, it's, it's, it's a good thing. You know, if you want to have a building certified as a smart building, then it's, it's prescriptive. You have to have X amount of square meters dedicated to, um, to, to space for technology. That's going to help things. So maybe you don't install it from day one. But um, but you 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 let the space there that it can be done in the future to make a building future ready. Um, but I think yeah, having a, a good systems integrator um is is key to having a, a smart building. And I think um I mean, that needs to be made clear to to developers up front. Um, it needs to be very clear to them what what is their actual end goal and how do they how do they hope to achieve it. And then it needs to be laid out to them that you know, finally speaking, you're going to have to if you want something more, you have to invest a bit more. You can't you can't get more for less. Um, you know, salesmen would like to tell you you can, but in reality, you can't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just about trying to educate the client and developers. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 as you say, you can't get more for less. But but then it's important in in these directions, like with these certifications, to help to then help developers, customers, uh, investors to monetize that investment and to use it as a differentiator and to start setting the expectation. Uh, as we start to look at existing buildings and, and new buildings coming, having that consistency and having, let's say, the the, the weight of expectation uh, helping drive this investment is also going to be one of the, the main drivers for us to make this change fast enough. Because when we talk about sustainability and all the other things that we have behind it, uh, you know, these changes need to happen and they need to happen on a broad scale, not just in that 2% of, of new buildings that come along every year, as you describe. Matt, thanks so much. It, it's been a great conversation. Uh, very enjoyable for me, very informative. Um, so thank you so much for that. I, I wanted to ask you one last question, which was, um, you know, we've had, we've had, we've talked about a lot of things. Uh, if you were talking to a, you know, an investor, an owner, a, a customer out there, how would you summarize? What are the three, two or three things that you would say, listen, if you want a smart building, keep this in mind. Um, and 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 take this with you uh, through that journey, so that you have the best chance of success. How how would you summarize that for for a customer or, or a developer? Well, I suppose the first thing I'd say, and I, I would say this as a as an M and E engineer anyway, um, I would say think of the future. Um, what what is smart today, and and the requirements of today will very quickly get outdated. So so make sure you build in some future provision, and that's mainly space. Um, make sure that you've got you know the, the ability to expand and adapt in the future. Um, the second thing I would say would be keep it real. Um, try and try and make a list, make a hit list of your your five things that you really that you really want. I mean, you see stuff on TV, you you, you go to hotels and other offices. What do you like? Um, try and pick stuff that will affect people's lives. 
Um, you know, most developers are looking for a building that is outwardly smart, that is a visually smart, that people can interpret as being smart. Um, so look, look for those things that that people will will embrace and use. Um, practical things. Um, a third point. Uh, yeah. Um, finally speaking, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean that, that's what it really. I mean, you can you can you can invest a lot in you can invest a lot in technology, but if you don't have the people to operate it, then um, that's going to be a problem. So keep that in mind um, when you've got high expectations. Just think to yourself, who's going to operate these things, um, and and you know build your build your building for today, but you know plan for the future. Um, in the future, maybe AI can take over and do a lot of the building operations, uh, but at the moment it can't, not yet. So I think. Um, I would say you know put, put your put your money in 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 smart things that you can put your hands on and appreciate straight away, um, and that will encourage future generations to to progress it. It won't just come across as being a gimmick. Yeah, so no, to avoid technology for technology's sake. That's probably the perfect the crux of it. A great summary, thanks, Matt. Uh, you know to to really think about you know to plan for the future, to think about what's coming tomorrow, not just today. To to keep it real. To 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 think about things that actually make a difference, not just plugging in as many shiny screens uh, or, or uh, shiny technologies as you can. And then of course, be aware that uh, no matter how good technology is, and, and I think even in the future, we can safely say, no matter how good technology is, analytics and AI can give you give you information to help make good decisions. They can, they can give you insights into things that we, we may not have been able to do before, but you still need skills. You still need people who have the, the right level of skills to manage and whatever system you have, you need someone who knows how to drive it. Uh, so uh, a, a amazing way to finish. Matt, thanks so much. Really appreciate your time and your, your insight. Uh, really fun to have you with us. And and yeah, thank you for you, for, for joining us and, and being with us today for today's conversation. Great. Thank you, John. Yeah, pleasure here as well. Yeah, good, uh, good talking. Okay. Yeah, likewise. And, and hey, uh, to finish off, uh, a huge thank you, not just to Matt, but to everyone out there who is listening to us today. Please remember to like, share, comment uh, on this episode, subscribe wherever you're hearing us at your favorite podcast location and keep your eye out every couple of weeks. We've got a new conversation with experts like Matt giving us the, let's call it the real world on on what's behind some of these buzzwords and, and how we really take steps forward as an industry to improve what we deliver and, and how we make people's lives better. So thanks again, Matt, and thanks to all of you, and we'll see you really soon.